What's up, everybody? It is a big weekend in the world of professional wrestling and WWE. I'm Justin LaVar here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast as we are doing all the fallout from NXT TakeOver coming to you from Philadelphia. Philadelphia, the first of four nights for a big week. As I said, I'm Justin LaVar alongside the man who lets us all be part of Wrestling Inc. He is Raj Geary. Raj, how are you? What's going on, Justin? How you doing? I'm doing well. And what about Chris Featherstone? Chris, good to see you again, my friend. It's been a while. Likewise, it has been. I'm ready to talk some NXT. Let's do it. Let's not even waste time. Everybody's already stayed up, and they went a little bit over from what the you, know, you figure they planned to do. So here we go. Let's start out uh, top of the show. They go right into tag team action, the Undisputed Era, with Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly up against the Authors of Pain. Uh, guys, did this set the bar the way you wanted to for the show? Um. You know, I actually, I was a little disappointed with this match. Um, you know, for the first couple of matches, I thought uh, it was good, but the NXT TakeOver events have set the bar so high. Um, but then, man, they really turned it around. I thought this was just, by the end, it was awesome. But you know what? This match wasn't bad at the beginning. It's just kind of weird seeing uh, Authors of Pain fighting from behind. It, 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 they're just one of those teams. It's hard to get into when they're fighting from behind. And uh and I think that kind of hurt the match a little, but there was nothing wrong with it. It just, uh, I just felt like it was uh, missing something. Chris? Can I say something real quick? Did you guys watch the pre-show? I did. I did. Yeah. Samoa Joe, man, that guy, he can be, he can be a, a, on the announce team, you know, once his wrestling career is over. I thought he was really good out there. No, I agree. He was, he, uh, you know, he was, he did not, do the over the top pandering. He kind of kept his uh, gimmick in check, so to speak. Uh, brought obviously the credibility, and there was even a point to where I, you know, Raj, we noticed on Twitter, uh, Sam Roberts was praising Oscar, saying that she might be the most dominant female performer, and then and then Sam goes, she might be the most dominant performer ever, and then Joe kind of leans over, kind of gives him a smack in the back, and goes. I'm not dead yet, but thanks for the declaration. <laughs> right. And then Joe turns to the camera, and if you watch his mouthing, if you can read lips, he basically goes, I want to smack this guy in the mouth. <laughs> may, have been, may have been just working the gimmick, maybe legit kind of aggravated by Sam's uh, on-the-cuff remarks, but very fun stuff. Yeah. And I, and yeah. I, w- I was saying on Twitter, like, d- does it take away from his – badass persona but you know but it's kind of cool seeing someone who's intelligent that's also uh, a a badass so i thought it was uh, a great job by joe on that and and zelina vega was great on commentary too she's such a such a great character yes yeah i think there were some jitters with uh joe but um that's what you that's what you usually get you know when it when it comes to the commentary position that's not as easy as people think uh we saw that with uh just some people trying to sit back there and not uh really succeeding too well um but you know it's one of those things that i wonder if it was intentional i wonder if it was kind of like a a pilot type of thing for joe just to kind of say hey you know if uh, this uh, if doesn't work out for you he's been kind of injury prone unfortunately over the past 12 months and i think it's one of those things that Hey, you know, if, if the injury bug continues to bite you, this is what you, this is where you're land. And I think uh, he hit it out the park uh, for for the first time. And I think uh, it'll be a good spot for him. Speaking of hitting out the park, Percy Watson did a phenomenal job today. I think he was kind of under the fire today when, without Nig- Nigel McGinnis. I think he did very well. 
Yeah, you know, when they when they said at the beginning of the show that Nigel McGuinness was sick or under the weather and couldn't make it, I was like, oh, man, it's going to be a long two hours with just Morrow and, and Percy. But, man, Percy has improved a lot since he yes. first came on. Um, I wouldn't say he's anywhere close to Nigel yet, but he's get, gotten a lot better, and he's he's improving by leaps and bounds. So, yeah, he, I thought he did a really good job tonight. Definitely, mm-hmm. a lot of times the commentary can take away from the event. That didn't happen at all tonight. I agree. No, I, no, I agree on, on the commentary uh, rating. You know, Samoa Joe, you know, as Chris said, he's not a young man, and he's been uh, not, you know, as healthy as you want him to be in his first year on the main roster. So, certainly having options past his in-ring career is good that he did well in this situation. And I agree with everything I said. You know, I was a little bit like, oh, you know, Percy and and just Percy and Morrow. But I do know for a fact Percy. Um, is putting in a lot of time. Some of it you can consider overtime at the PC uh, doing uh, simulated commentary matches to try to get better and, and try to follow the rules that WWE has because they have them, of course, uh, when doing commentary. So, yes, I, I absolutely agree. Percy, um, I think, made the most of his opportunity tonight with Morrow. So the opening match, tag team match, uh, were you guys, you know, Undisputed Era beats Authors of Pain. Uh, were you guys satisfied with this? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think it was, I think it protected Authors of Pain the way it happened, you know, with uh, them kind of colliding into each other unintentionally and, and uh, you know, getting the roll up. I think it was a good way to, to protect Authors of Pain. But, you know, it just, it, it was, it was a good opener, but it was slightly underwhelming for me, just slightly. Um, uh, just because I'm, I'm kind of used to, uh, just a better crowd reaction from the opener. And um, it made sense. You know, of course, they both kind of play the heel tag team. And it kind of, the dynamic was kind of off. You know, the in, in the Philly crowd, of course, they they chanted, they, you know, they chant for Undisputed Era. But that heel dynamic, the heel fight, face dynamic was still a bit off. And I, you could tell just with the reaction. Chris, I absolutely agree. I, I would have rearranged. You know, normally when you build a wrestling show, the number two match is normally the down match. It's normally the one that you have the second guesses about. Um, I would have rearranged this, and, and and neither meaning neither being in the number two spot meaning to be you know a put down. I would have put Velveteen Dream, uh, you know, versus Ono in the first match. You know, we'll talk about it in a second because you're right. You know, you have all those of pain who are technically the baby faces, technically in this match, and how it is, but Undisputed Era is being cheered. You know, it was a good match, but it was slower. They did a lot of traditional tag team wrestling, working the body part, really cutting the ring off. And you're right, typical uh, traditional NXT TakeOver matches, uh, pay-per-views, excuse me, uh, events, they tend to be a lot more quick out of the gate on the first match, and this one did kind of slow the pace up. Maybe to benefit the back end of the show, which we'll get to, but I totally agree. I might have rearranged this. Yeah, but that being said, it was still a good match. And man, you got to give the authors of Pain a lot of credit. How far they've come for how how little time they've been in the business, man. Uh, you know, like I've done a 180 on the authors of Pain. I thought there was that one time they almost killed a guy doing the the power <laughs> bomb, <laughs> and uh, I just I was like, man, they're sloppy. But you got to remember they're they're new. It's like Braun Strowman for a while where he, you just got to remember that they have no, you know, no experience. It's not like they work the indies or anything. And, you know, now I just think they're awesome. And this to me, I mean, it looked like to me that they're going to the main roster. What do you guys think? 
I was open. I've, I've always been open to the authors of pain. I was very critical, critical of Ellering being with them. Um, but I, I'm a little less critical with Ellering being with them just because I think we've talked about this before, Raj, just the, the impact of managers, you know, and how important that is for, uh, especially, people who you don't want on the mic. And I think with the authors of pain, uh, it fits well. Ellering and NXT and this type of generation was a, it was a bit odd for me because I'm a huge road warriors fan. Uh, but you know, with time, it, it kind of, it kind of, uh, worked itself out. So as far as their main roster debut, I can see them going to the main roster. Um, you know, Unfortunately, nowadays, the main roster graduation isn't uh, as exciting, you know, as it as it uh, used to be just because of the graduates not being uh, used very well. If you're a bigger guy, it's a little different, though. And Vince Ascension. Well, yeah, well, there's one (laughs) bigger guy. Yeah, (laughs) I I, I wouldn't put them to the main roster just yet. Um, I, I wouldn't let I wouldn't let this be the last memory of him in NXT. Uh, I would give them the rest of the road to Mania, which you know, starts this weekend, technically. Um, look, we we saw in the crowd War Machine. Um, mm. I, I would, you know, th- those guys are obviously guys who are, you know, they're going to start in XT. They don't need to go through the bare basics of the developmental process. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll report to the Performance Center, um, but they'll obviously be probably, you know, pretty ready for TV quickly. So, I, you know, maybe I would do one more, you know, if you're trying to ask, okay, what tag teams can all those of pain work with? I think maybe do that for NXT. Let that anchor, or not anchor, but let that be a, a selling point to the NXT takeover the week of Mania, that tag team confrontation. And then Office of Pain debuts maybe, you know, the night or two after WrestleMania. Personally, looking at the uh, complexion of the two, of the Monday night roster and the Tuesday night roster, I would put Authors of Pain on Monday night. I think you know, I think the Raw show is certainly lacking something fresh in the tag teams. I mean, we have Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan for Christ's sake. So um, I, I would hold off for another few months, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that develops. And of course, NXT is going to be doing some tape, doing some taping soon, so we'll get a better indication of where things are going to go. Moving on, we had Velveteen Dream up against Cassius Ono, and before we even get into the thoughts of the match. Raj, I know you tweeted about it. I was, I was, <laughs> I was texting uh, to, to to people that I won't incriminate. You know, we're long removed of the days where Cassius Ono, who used to be known as Chris Hero, used to stand pretty comparable next to the Swiss stud of Cesaro as the you know you know KOW baby, right? The kings of wrestling, and now <laughs> I, I mean, I know it all catches up with us. But Cassius Ono is starting to look more like Balls Mahoney than he is. <laughs> a st- I mean, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I, I sent out that tweet that uh, oh, I, popped, to, I popped he, hard. I <laughs> he needs to start wearing tights. I mean, it was not pretty. And, and you know, hey, there's nothing against not having you know a, a great body or anything i mean vader like think about all the big stars you know mankind and and vader and big boss man all these guys but they're not out there wearing trunks right oh um they, they dressed for their <laughs> unfit characters <laughs> exactly right. so he needs to he needs to change his gear i mean right you see his career hurting i mean he's basically you know 
you know, basically how they referred to him on commentary, you know, the, you know, the gatekeeper, he's the, yeah. the guy that people beat to kind of go up the, up the ladder. But, uh, well, and let's remember, you know, his first run with NXT, um, he was dismissed, uh, with, you know, with, had, had, had little, little, you know, high points on his resume. And it was, you know, garage, correct me if I'm wrong. It's basically the rumor was it was because he was just not in shape. His yeah. weight, his weight was out of control. He leaves, comes back. Triple H talks to us on these media calls and talks about how sometimes these guys need to leave and they need to, you know, listen to the advice given to them, mature, et cetera, et cetera. He comes back. Um, you know, they maybe they maybe found a little bit more of a definition of a gimmick for him, but he still just doesn't look good in the way he's presented. And you know, you talk about gate. I mean, the guy's thirty-eight years old, which in wrestling terms is not very young. That's not. You know, I mean, you know, I, I I laugh when people talk about how Bobby Roode is the you know is the young gun of SmackDown. He's forty. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, we have to keep the mind of the age here. But uh, yeah, I mean, Velveteen Dream gets the win. Very entertaining match. Velveteen Dream, this cross of uh, gold dust and Prince and Prince, Rick Roode, Rick Roode all, all yeah, all great ways to defy him. Uh, yeah, uh, they, I mean, I know. Yeah. Could you imagine if someone told you, okay, we want you to be a cross between Rick Rude, uh, Goldust Ali, and uh <laughs> you know, and Prince. I mean, you'd just be lost. You wouldn't know where to start. But man, this guy, he's he's got something. He's a superstar in the making. The the one thing I think he needs to work on is is the cadence in his promos. I just feel like that's not there yet. There's something missing. Um he can talk, but it it just feels like he hasn't figured out how to tie the promos in fully with this character. Well, and to your point, Raj, b- before Chris chimes in here, is that, you know, uh, who knows what was given to him as inspiration for what we want you to be. Well, let's just say that that was something similar. We want you to try to combine the bizarreness of Goldust with the swagger of Ali, with the, you know, sexuality of Prince and the colorfulness you would have a hard time trying to figure out, okay, what's my voice supposed to be in a promo too? So I, I get yeah. that. And I, and I think that'll come with more repetition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. As far as the match is concerned, I, I was um, again, underwhelmed, not, not because of dream dream to me, dream is money. I mean, he's one of the best things going in all of WWE right now. And um, he just continues to get better and better to me. The guys, young, I mean, Patrick is young. He's young. You know, and he's still got so much more to go just as far as his, uh, you know, wrestling career just to be kind of like you said, Justin, kind of dumped to this character and like, hey, this is what I want, you know, like, you know, with uh, with Drozdoff, you know, he's going to puke, you know, like Vince McMahon is kind of just giving him something to do. This is what I want from you. And then Dream just like, hey, this is this is what you're going to get. And I think uh, I mean, the the. <laughs> it's obvious that the fans are, are, are very much into uh, dream because both Cassius Ono and Aleister Black were getting heat, you know, within their matches at the, at the respective takeovers. And I think, you know, he, his, he brings back the traditional pro wrestling that we watched as kids. He's all about the gimmick. And at the end of the day, kayfabe is still alive. If we want, if we want to pull from, you know, we're we're using names of the past to to describe the blend that is Dream. Let's go way, way, way back. Uh, there's a lot of gorgeous George to him, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, I mean, and, and Chris, you referenced 
you know, Vince and the whole puke thing. What What do you think if Vince was there tonight, which I know he was, if, if Vince is there, what do you think Vince is like? Come on, Dream. Come on, give it to me. He's got. He's gonna. He's gonna rub the chest so sensually. What do you think Vince is saying? <laughs> I'm telling you, I bet you, you know, it's funny with Patrick Clark, like when he was on Tough Enough, I was like, this guy's good in the ring, but he he's doesn't he doesn't have much charisma. And man, he he blew that out of the water. Like he's the most interesting character, I think, right now in wrestling. And um, you know, like he's supposed to be a heel, and the fans were going crazy for him, booing Cassius Ono. Um, and I think if Vince, you know, Vince gets his eye on him, I think he sees a superstar there. So um, I agree. And, 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 you know, when I was saying the thing about combining those elements, I don't know if anyone told him that or not. I, that could be all stuff he just came up with, you know, with, with some input. But um, I, I'm guessing this is kind of his character that has just been evolving that he created. Sure. And really, you know, before we move on to the next match, I, you know, I kind of look at, you know, Patrick Clark, you know, who was the real person that we saw in Tough Enough. Uh, I, I know him a little bit. He's from my neck of the woods in Maryland and worked the independents. Uh, the situation right now is a little bit similar to a a Dustin Rhodes in the sense of Patrick Clark's not a generation wrestler having to follow in his father's footsteps, but Patrick Clark to kind of what Chris was saying, you know, you could easily see okay, young, athletic, fit black guy. We're gonna uh, what's the stereotypical thing we're gonna put him as? Kind of same thing with 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 Dustin Rhodes. All right, we're gonna make him the cowboy who's you know the son of of a legend. And let's go now nine. Let, let's just completely go around the corner and just and 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 go completely different. Yeah, you know, just as Dustin did with Goldust, and now Patrick is with this Velveteen Dream, and, and it's clicking. So, uh, I'll be excited to see how this this continues to grow. All right, moving on to the women. And, um, and one one last thing, he's yeah. only twenty two years old. Yes, yes. I mean yes. that is something. He's he's got this hot character. He's got the, he's he's got the in ring ability. He's got the charisma. He's only 22. Lots of time. This guy's this guy could be huge. 22. Here's my here's my, here's my bro prediction, real quick. I, I think uh, we'll obviously get Amos and Black at uh, Takeover before Mania. I think we'll get Black and Dream at the Takeover before SummerSlam for the title. All right. What what a what a what a contrast of entrances that'll be of uh, <laughs> of Dream and Black. But yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> I, again, you know, we, you know, Dream having having the the background he does. He's only twenty two. He's got a lot of experience. He worked. He's been working since he was eighteen years old. So, mm-hmm. uh, more advanced for twenty two year old. All right, moving on here. Let's go to the women's action. We had Ember Moon up against Shayna Baszler. Um, this match intrigued me. Uh, Raj and I were both on the call this past week with Triple H, uh, the conference call that he tends to do uh, around the clock for, uh, prior to NXT. He talked about Shayna. Raj, if you remember, he really kind of talked about how he saw Shayna years ago uh, when she started doing pro wrestling, and she has this bully kind of quality. Bully was the the bold memo point they really got over on promos, they got over on the pre-show, got over on commentary. Uh, just to kick it off here, I thought this match, it's weird with the medical staffing because we know that WWE has real medical staff at ringside that will tend to things really quickly, as we saw later in the night. They bring two actors, two extras out to portray the medical staff, but the idea I think behind it was really good. And then Shayna catches Ember in the submission. Ember struggles, ends up countering and making a pinfall that doesn't make anybody look weak. I think it made everybody look excellent out of this. I thought this is probably the best finish of the night. 
uh, keeping in mind of the story. Uh, what say you guys? Uh, I thought it was, I thought the story was great. Um, it felt like the crowd was just deflated in this match. Like they um, they didn't seem that that awake yet. Um, I felt like that detracted from the match a little bit. But I love that. I love those last five minutes where it had you guessing. It's like if Amber taps, you totally understand. It doesn't make her look weak. Um, and yeah, Shayna didn't look weak at all in the loss. So I I thought that was this was great. Sets up a rematch. Um, yeah, neither, neither person was hurt coming off of this. So I, you know, I, I really liked it. Yeah, I, there was there was a lot of apprehension from me if Shayla if Shayna won the title just because I. You know, I think that uh, she's still there's still some time. I, I noticed she competed in stardom for a while, but there's still some some time that I think that she still needs with the NXT to just kind of uh, uh, just to kind of hone in some things. I think her character is phenomenal. I, I really liked it. I, I looked. I saw her in the May Young Classic. I think she did a good job there as well. But I just think that there's a little bit more time that you want to put in Shayna just as far as her developing her character. Uh, that stomp that she did with uh, the stomp that she did on the elbow, what she did with Ember and Dakota Kai as well a few weeks back. I mean, how in the world can you kind of kayfabe that? Like, I don't understand how, like, it just, and then when, especially with Dakota Kai, like, they kept playing uh the replay of that. And I'm like, how in the world can you kind of rig that to make it not like, like incredibly painful uh but yeah just give her some more time uh the story was good uh, i think the just the locking in the um the arm bar was good and then uh, you know ember trying to get out of it uh throughout the match like you said uh raj i do agree that the crowd was a little lull you know and, and for a bit uh but i think as ember try would try to to get out of the uh, the submission a little bit more. They started to get behind her uh, better, which helped the story. And just you know, turning the whole thing into uh, a roll up was a re- really a really good uh, way to protect Shayna. And then especially at the end where she s- end up getting the choke in as well. So I think it all tied up quite well. Shayna received some legit heat uh, from the crowd. Yeah, they, they, I mean there was no uh, cool heel factor. She got a lot of heat. Do you guys think? Do you guys think there's any risk of Shayna falling victim to being dubbed by the smarter crowd as a uh, female knockoff of Brock Lesnar? I I, th- I always wondered if she was going to get more heat from fans thinking she's in her position because she's Ronda Rousey's friend. Mm. You know, because let's face it, at her age, I'm guessing she wouldn't be signed right now if she, you know, if if she had a falling out with Rousey two years ago, um, she's 37, but I think, you know, she, I don't know. I don't see her as a, as a Lesnar. I don't think Lesnar when I see her, I think she well, kind of adds her own, um, adds her own tweaks. I think she does a really good job with her persona. It's different. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what I always thought she would probably get a hard time with, but to her credit, she has come into her own, made herself her own character. And I think she's doing a really good job. Well, and to your point, Raj, and I, I completely see what you're saying. I mean, she's not somebody who was just uh, plucked out of the UFC and put in the performance center. She worked the Indies. I, I, you know, I mean, I've seen her in the Indies uh, in this Western PA, Eastern Ohio region. 
Um, so, I mean, she's put her time in, so to speak, which the same vocal crowd values a lot. They value you having, you know, worked the indie scene before, you know, coming to the PC, coming to the NXT. So I get what you're saying. Obviously, she is connected to Ronda Rousey, who, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in the next couple of days if she makes an impact. But, you know, she had, I mean, she had, you know, she is paying her dues. So, mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. And then that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm not disrespecting her. I'm just saying that's what I thought she would probably get heat for because fans tend to, you know, get angry over stuff like that where they feel like uh, connections get you farther. But, um, but I think yeah. she's doing an excellent job. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny when I start a fight line, you know, back in the day, like 2005, I had that from 2005 to 2010. And I'd go to these, you know, the Elite XC events in San Jose and Strike Force and see Shayna Baszler fighting on those cards and hearing Moro calling her fights back then, you know, on those Elite XC cards. And now hearing Moro calling her wrestling matches. It's it's kind of kind of surreal in a in, in a weird kind of way. It's, yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I I don't I have not and did not at all tie Lesnar with Baszler at all, but I can definitely I can definitely see what you mean, Justin, with with the smart fans, you know. But you know, in that regard, you know, sometimes smart fans find excuses for anything. I mean, you know, <laughs> to to a smart fan, Shannon Baszler is tied in with Ken Shamrock for some reason. Oh no, I agree, and I I always do the when I'm on the camera, I always do the air quotes of smart because it's just the people yeah. that are that are <laughs> the most. Like when people say Roman Reigns can't wrestle, right? Right. It's it's, oh. it's, it's it's those who are the loudest who uh, feel like they read and watch the most of their the most educated, but um, whatever. So, yes, I mean a lot of them are. A lot of them, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't want to insult them because it's a big part of our base. <laughs> I was going to say you, you own a website. I don't. I have no fear of. That, that, that's kind of like my gimmicks. Right. To tell them. That's, no, my, no. That's, Raj, my gimmick, if, that's my gimmicks to tell them how. No, no, but I agree are. with it. I mean, they, you know, the the smart ones are also actually also the ones that, you know, steer the ship a little bit. They get guys like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan uh, noticed before the being political. Before manage- no, 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 it's true. Before <laughs> this, management does. No, this, <laughs> Raj, heal it. Hold on, hold on a second, Raj. It's okay for you to heal it up a little bit. You're not going to lose a base just because you talk about the smart fans. It's okay. Heal it up a little bit. It's, a, it's no problem. No, the, the the smartest are the ones who watch religiously, no matter how suicidal they feel. Yeah. So let's just. All right. Yeah. Let's yeah, right. let's let, let's let's move on. Uh, Extreme Rules in Philadelphia match. This is the one I was most looking forward to for a, a multitude of reasons. Alistair Black up against Adam Cole. Um. Uh, I followed Alistair Black's career prior to NXT when he was over overseas. Uh, Adam Cole, I followed to work with here. He was at my WrestleMania pre-party last year in Orlando. Um, great guy. This this one really had a lot of the hype, obviously, because, again, Philadelphia Extreme Rules. Uh, I think it did live up to the hype, I think, and which is it's tough to say because when you're in Philadelphia and you're being put in extreme rules match, you know, there's going to, you know, you, you think, Oh, we got to have flaming tables, blah, blah, blah. There wasn't flaming tables, but they actually worked uh, very good psychology into this yes. match uh, from the very start of Cole being the, the, the Raj, am I allowed to cuss on this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So from Cole being the chicken shit, who's dives out, grabs the, the chair, 
um, gets the chair taken away from him. Then they have the, they both have the kendo sticks. Black because I don't need a kendo stick. Cole's like I'm gonna take the advantage. It was just very you know from psychology standpoint, it was very well done. They built to it. We got some real blood that was not uh, not planned. Um, th- th- this this was a great match. And of course, you don't. It, it has the daunting task of having to be a great match, knowing you still have a Johnny Gargano title match coming after that, which we'll get to. Um, this this was this was a lot of fun for me to watch. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the this is awesome in the very beginning was a cringe cringer for me. Uh, I, I didn't like that. I just it, it bothers me when crowds chance this is awesome before they even touch each other. I'm like, I agree. On, I you agree. Know, I agree. Just, just, just wait. <laughs> At least get a collar and elbow first before. There you are chance. times when it is awesome, like Rock versus Hogan. But uh, yeah, yeah, for this, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but, but, but notice, yeah. notice respect. They're not rock versus hope. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like the, the the aura of the match is awesome. That's the that's the chant that when you come from Rocket Rock and Hogan, they get this is awesome because of the aura. Uh, you know, Alistair Black and Adam Cole. No disrespect. They're uh, Hogan Rock. They're you know. <laughs> Uh, but but in contrast, this was hands down to me the best match of the night. Um, this was a fantastic match, and and you said that key word, Justin, psychology. That's exactly the word I was thinking of when I was looking at the match, and I think that is such an element about wrestling that uh, is 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 fading. And it shouldn't. I mean, like that's what rest to me. That's what wrestling's all about. I've been watching wrestling for thirty years, uh, over thirty years now, and and that's what I grew up on. I grew up on the psychology of professional wrestling and what's going to just woo me, what's going to make me cheer, what's going to make me boo. And I think Black does that. I mean, he's he's he he did it with with uh with Velveteen Dream as well. That that match was to me was the best match of two thousand seventeen. And Aleister Black did the same thing with Cole, and I think Cole was a fantastic kind of supporting cast to really help, you know, uh, Aleister Black with that whole psychology element. And kudos to Adam Cole as well, man. You know, you know, he does the Adam Cole Bay Bay, which gets baby face pops, but still, I don't understand. But uh, but at the same time, he did a good job drawing some heat during the match. So I definitely give him kudos for that. Someone saying we haven't been saying the winners real quick. Um, uh, authors of pain lost to the undisputed era and um, uh, Ember Moon defeated uh, Shayna Baszler and what was the other one? Velveteen Dream, Velveteen Dream defeated Beat Cassius Kane. Ono. Um, All right, blame me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I forget that a lot of the people who listen to this don't watch the event. Um, at least later on. Um, but yeah, I thought from this point in the show, it, this takeover I thought was good. Uh, but after this point on, it became great from this match on. I thought it was an excellent show, and this match had a lot to do with it. Aleister Black is just one of those guys. It's like you see all these people with dark characters um, that are just unconvincing, like Kevin Thorne, and it's countless others. Where you know, yeah. where you, but Aleister Black just he seems real completely, and uh, he's got a great character, great look. Uh, the way he moves, the stuff he does, he's he's great. And Adam Cole, same thing. I think Adam Cole has got tons of charisma. I I think his height is going to hurt him on the main roster. Uh, you know, I, I know people bring up CM Punk; they're about the same height. But you know, CM Punk, he's you know, there's there's exceptions to the rule. 
Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, you're usually facing an uphill battle yeah. uh, if you're not bigger. Um, and uh, that goes with for Black, too. But these guys have so much charisma that I can see them doing well on the main roster if given the right opportunity. But I thought this match was this match was awesome. And some of the stuff they did in this match was – I thought this was the best extreme rules match in WWE in a long time. I can't I can't even think of the last one that I thought was as good as this. Uh, they, they did that usually to put the chairs together when they do that, you know, suplex or slam through the chairs. But instead they put them, you know, back to back and Adam Cole was dropped, you know, on his back onto those chairs. That looked like – Looked like a really bad idea, but it was a uh, such a cool spot. I mean, they did some really unique stuff. I, I love this match. Yeah, they, one they, of the biggest one of the biggest things I noticed is that the the weapons didn't carry the match. The match the weapons was kind of an, an accomplice to the match already being very yes. good. If the weapons weren't there at all, it wouldn't have made the match any worse to me. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like one of those public enemy matches where they're just hitting each other with frying pans the whole time. Right. Yeah. yeah they, they. This certainly. This match was. Um, I, I've seen Adam Adam Cole do that that reverse chair spot before in the indie scene, and they and it it, it, it connects to the crowd. And obviously, he did it on a much greater stage. Uh, so kudos for him. Um, I was interested in this match. You know, uh, Alistair Black. If you if you guys want to know, um, he lives the character very convincingly. Um, you know, props to him. Um, he he is one of those guys who, where sometimes you might want to go, "Hey, bro, you remember this is a work." <laughs> he is very intense. Um, but I, I really this <laughs> right, right. I enjoy this match very much. I thought this was, you know, this just was just so convincing. I'm I'm on my phone right now. I, I will say I got a text from the Adam Cole camp. Uh, he is okay. His hand is legitimately sliced up very badly, hence why the ringside doctors came, the real ringside doctors came immediately. They cut to replay. Uh, his hand is pretty um, uh, sliced up you know, because of the, the weapons and, and, and the things they did. Uh, I, this was great. You know, this, this really was. I mean, this, and this is just, just like I said for the Indian and the women's match, both men still look strong out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, Black wins, but there's no damage to Adam Cole's uh, stock black. As we talked about earlier, probably moves on to the title picture. You'd think, um, but this, 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 this really was a shining moment. As Ross said, this set the bar for them going all the way to greatness of the show. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree. I think uh, black it's, it's black and all miss at the next takeover. I think uh, Chris had mentioned that too. Yep. Black and all miss. And, uh, and Ciampa and Gargano, which leads us into our final match. Uh, the oh, title real, match. Real quick, real oh, quick. Real quick. They, showed, uh, they showed EC3 at ringside. Oh, yes. We'll get to those. And they, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> and yeah, they said he had signed. They confirmed it. EC Space 3. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he had the little three kind of like down his chest or across his chest. Or he was, I mean, I guess that's some type of thing that he's probably going to do or something. I don't know if anybody else picked that up. Yeah, and and also, uh, so Alistair Black won that match with the Black Mask. Did we say that? No, uh, we didn't say it specifically, but yeah, we, we said he won. <laughs> but you got more detail. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess, well, I guess, real quick, while we're, well, before we let's let's go on the timeline. Raj is correct here. So they, you know, they the time they showed War Machine, they showed Candice LeRae, wife of Johnny Gargano, which we'll get to in a second. Um, they showed EC3. They showed Trevor Ricochet Man. Um, do we? 
it's not uncommon that we see an NXT talent show up in the Rumble. Do we see any of these guys or girls that are Rumble match tomorrow for a one-off? Yeah, I, I say no. I say save them, uh, protect their character, and I'll just have them thrown out the Rumble. Um, that would be my deal. Kind of like what they did with Drew Galloway, uh, Mania Weekend last year. You know, just kind of make make him appear and uh that's it just kind of allow us to be uh allow the suspense to uh continue to kind of uh develop and um allow that debut to be a little bit more uh exciting than just to give him a, a Bo Dallas 2012 Royal Rumble spot well, I definitely don't think they'll be EC3 or any of those, you know, War Machine or Ricochet will be in the Rumble, but I'm sure they'll have one NXT guy. I mean, they always do every year, right? Last year they did uh, Ty Dillinger. Is it the year before they did Sammy? And one year they randomly had Rusev before anyone knew yep. who he was. Yeah, and they had Bo Dallas. Too. Yeah, and they, had, uh, they had Bo Dallas too in 2012, I believe it was. Right. 20, Bo Dallas. 2014 here in Pittsburgh, we saw Rusev before we ever saw him anywhere. So. Right, no one knew who he was. They were just quiet. <laughs> yeah. Alexander Rusev. Right, Alexander Rusev. <laughs> Alexander Rusev. Um, but I can see them, you know, man, I, if they put like Velveteen Dream in there, that would get a huge pop. Uh, Gargano mm. would get a big pop. Um, but here's what, here's what always bothers me about this. And maybe, and I don't want to like, I don't want to prolong this podcast. I know some people think I do. I just want to put this out real quick. <laughs> I know, Raj. I'm, I'm We're early. Hey, it's early, man, for what we usually do. So feel I, I know. I'm, 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 trying, <laughs> I'm trying to keep my thoughts contained. No, I'm always, I, I said, I was in San Antonio last year for the Rumble. And the one person that came in the Rumble that didn't make sense was Jack Gallagher. Now, I like Jack Gallagher, but he's a cruiserweight. Now, by my understanding, cruiserweights only fight for cruiserweight titles, the 205 Live title. It's weird to me if you would see an NXT an NXT talent in the Rumble because the whole point of the Rumble is to win and go and face a world champion of Raw and SmackDown. And it's like if you're NXT, are you technically qualified? It just, <laughs> you know, I mean, it just makes me, you know, I mean, Gallagher was in it last year because Vince likes Jack Gallagher because he's a fun mm-hmm. character. It was a great, you know. He, he did also whole, made to look like a joke holding an umbrella while he's thrown out. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't. I will say it was a very. I mean, I still remember it. It was a very entertaining spot with Jericho and the umbrella. So I mean, I get the whole point of putting him in on an, an entertainment spot, but it's like logically, if we're gonna like talk about actual like weight divisions here or classes, NXT is still technically. While it's a viable third brand, it's still technically the minor league feeder system. So, you know, it's 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 odd to me when they throw the NXT guys in there. But yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of like a I made it type of thing. And by the way, 2013 was Bo Dallas, but I think it was a I think it's kind of like a, a I made it type of position, kind of like what Hideo Itami, uh when he um, you know won the tournament to become a part of the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial uh, Battle Royal. Uh, what was it about a year or two ago that he was in that? That was 31 uh, WrestleMania 31. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whoa, so it was three years yeah, ago. Wow. Yeah. Took wow. a while. Or was it 32? Uh, 31 was California, um, right? That's the one he was in. Yeah, Santa yeah. Clara. So that's the one that Sting was at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that year because it was it was bright. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so it's kind of like an I made it type thing. But I think they – I think they figured out that you can kind of blur the lines a little better when Kevin Owens came up as NXT champ and and, and beat John Cena. So maybe that has a factor towards it. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're right, Justin. It is 
it is a feeder system. So for someone to come up from NXT, if there was some type of uh, odds, like probably the NXT person would be like at the very bottom when it comes to odds of winning the Royal Rumble. I'll put it this way. I know from a logic standpoint, it doesn't make sense, but it's just meant to be fun. You know, I'll I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. It's like Beth Phoenix being at the Rumble. I'll put it this way. All we, fun. All we, <laughs> no, she was in the Rumble once. Yeah, yeah, I'll say that wasn't fun when she was. In the yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all weekend long, right here on the YouTube channel for Wrestling Inc., we have the chair shot reality videos that I, I co host, and we're talking, you know, Royal Rumble predictions, everything. I talk about Wrestle Rumble where you can make predictions. It went up to a thousand bucks and a wing eagle title. It goes in this when you're making predictions, you got to think honestly, like, why am I going to waste a spot on an NXT guy? So that's, that's all I'll say. I just, I don't, NXT guys, cruiserweights, doesn't make sense to me. All right. Yeah. We, are we ready to move into the main event? Are we ready? Real, Real quick. quick. <laughs> I think the, I think the surprise factor, uh, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, Roz. I mean, like, like we were talking about with Matt, like personally and, and Matt attests to it as well. You know, I think the, the surprise factor of the Royal Rumble is like what many people watch it for because usually every year you only have probably three or four people who you know have any type of shot in winning it and so you know the surprise factor comes out and you know it, it like for rusev he did very good and uh when he was a part of the rumble so they they still use that like when he debuted he was nxt he did a good showing so it could have some type of benefit yeah, so uh, I missed Ricochet because my, I had to reboot my Roku because the stream kept going back and forth. Uh, did they introduce him as Trevor Mann or as Ricochet? The graphics said Trevor Ricochet Man. Ricochet Man. Okay. Yeah. And um, with War Machine, I was surprised that they introduced him as that. I thought for sure they were going to change their name just based on the fact of uh, all the baggage that comes with that name with the MMA fighter, War Machine. And being that wrestling and MMA are not totally different worlds apart there's you know there's just a lot of baggage with that name i was kind of surprised that it, it appears they're going to be still build as war machine mm-hmm. which i think it's a good well idea. i mean i know i i see what you're saying i mean uh i don't know hansen that well i know ray Rowe pretty well i've worked with him for the indies i mean that, that that's, that's his legal name is ray Rowe. so it is a little bit surprising that they're gonna you know um pull from real names but I mean, that, that's kind of become almost the, you know, the whole uh, intellectual property argument's been really changed over the last three years. I mean, with NXT, I mean, they've yep. they've pulled guys like Samoa Joe and all and, and AJ Styles and, and countless others where they've used these names that weren't WWE owned, but they just kind of realize that's that's the way to go. So I, I don't know legally how much they're being um, hurt but, by, but, you know. Yeah, I didn't mean uh, from a legal aspect, like a copyright aspect. And yes, Rhino used to be called War Machine. They don't call. They never call him that anymore, Rhino. Right? I don't think on TV they ever refer. No, to him. I- and I thought part of that had to do because there was that MMA fighter War Machine who raped and you know yeah. really hurt his his girlfriend yeah. and is in prison and uh, probably for the rest of his life. And so, just having that stigma with that name in a you know, MMA is a sport, wrestling's entertainment, but they're kind of, you know, they're kind of connected in, in some ways. And um, I don't know. I just think. No, uh, but how much it, of the how, how much of the MMA audience really bleed through WWE, though? How many of them what? How much of the audience kind of bleed over to WWE? 
Not very much, I would say. I think a decent amount. Um, You know, when I started Fightline, that was all wrestling fans that was going to that site, and it became a big success. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a a crossover where we cover UFC uh, pay-per-views. They get more hits than the ROH pay-per-views, so it's Mm. it's pretty decent-sized. Well, Raj, it's funny you mention that because I can remember working an independent show probably at least six or seven years ago, uh, which I'll, I'll segue here. Uh, it was in the it was for DirecTV Sports Time Ohio, but we were actually filming in the back parking lot of Johnny Gargano's family pizza shop in Cleveland. We were inter- <laughs> we were introducing Rhino. I was introducing Rhino as the commissioner of, of the company uh, for a match. And I don't remember which one it was. I don't remember if it was War Machine or the Man Beast. One of them I was told I couldn't say because of WWE copyright. I don't remember which one it was, so I said the opposite. So yeah, that's that's, that's all there. It's relevant. So it sends us into our final match here. <laughs> uh, having seen Johnny Organo from uh, many years earlier, uh, you know. I'll, I'll say as a fan, as a friend, I'm super proud to see him in this moment having seen him uh, evolve and develop from what he was years ago. Always a pure baby face, as Triple H talked about on the conference call this past week. So we have, as the main event of the title match, Johnny Gargano up against uh, you know uh, Andrade Almas. Um, you know, Gargano's got his family ringside, got his wife ringside, who's newly signed. This, this match, tremendous job on the false finishes, yeah, man. And not and, and not disappointing. You know, after you have a false finish, there's a huge risk of disappointing to the point of what the next fall is. You know, that, that false finish better be worthy. And I think that they covered their bases, uh, gave gave the extreme rules match a, a fight for its money. Oh, I thought this was I thought this was the best match this year so far. I thought it beat Jericho and Omega. Um better than anything on Wrestle Kingdom. I thought this was uh, amazing. I thought uh, the only thing, my one gripe, I hate that spot when they do it where they do the foot stomp from the top ropes and the guy is holding on, waiting mm-hmm. for it. It just looks so ridiculous. You know, you want to get out of there, just let go of the ropes. Um, so, And he, he that happened a couple times in this match. But, man, Jardine Gargano, could you imagine if he would have won? I mean, I figured Almas and, uh, and uh, Ember Moon were winning tonight because they – just won the titles at the last takeover. They're not getting called up yet, so it, it made sense for them not to lose the titles just yet. Um, you know, whereas Drew McIntyre was clear he was heading to the main roster, so that's why he dropped it. So it seemed a little soon, but there were times when I thought Gargano had it. Like those false finishes, I fell for a bunch, which rarely happens. So I thought they did a tremendous job. Um, I love this match. It, it was. Um, you know, like you said, Justin, with Triple H saying Johnny Gargano, the all white meat baby face, he's completely right. He totally reminds me of Daniel Bryan. He's hard not to like. I think the roof would have blown off the place if he won. Yeah. I, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what, what else to say, but it was an amazing match. To, you know, when almost won, it, it did deflate the joint a little bit, but. Um, you know, I'm sure they have you, big. I mean, the next takeover is going to be almost in black. I'm guessing. And do you think um do you think almost comes off and now? And I'm in. Let me preface this. I'm in. I've been more supportive of this person than most. Do you think almost comes off as a 
Jinder Mahal champion. Now, Jinder obviously champion with the focus of okay, India and and the but but like just a guy who the crowd just sometimes doesn't even have a care to even boo is just kind of at a loss with. Do you think Almas comes off as that? And eh, we just don't care, champion. I I, I do to an extent. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Zelina Vega adds a lot down to him. Sure, I think she's the. You know, as personality-wise, she's the star of that duo. Sure. But Almas is, you know, Almas is great in the ring. But, yeah, he, he doesn't really give you a reason to boo him, necessarily. Um, he's just kind of there. Uh, unless, you, unless you hate mariachi bands, why do you not like him? You know? <laughs> he had the best entrance on the show. Yeah, I agree. Um, when when Almas won, I mean, I, I followed him a bit, even when he was La Sombra, you know, in New Japan and Mexico. Um, but he had a mask on at that time, you know what I mean? So it just, it, to me, when I, when I follow almost here, it's just kind of like, eh. I mean, like when, when he turned heel, I think it was because the fans just didn't care about his gimmick because he was a baby face for a while. And so with, with Vega there now, I think it helps him, but I don't know. To me, it was just kind of like, uh, it's kind of like lackluster, uh, when, you have big personalities like, uh, you know, just the, the going through the line. You have Finn Balor, uh, Samoa Joe, Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Roode, Drew McIntyre, and then Almas. You know what I mean? So just like the, the lineage of the past five champions, you have all you have these big names who you can see being somebody in the main roster who who has you know all of them have been to an extent. I mean, we can criticize Nakamura, but the way they're booking Nakamura, but I don't see Almas in that list being any type of anybody on the main roster. Hey, so I think I think that affects it a bit. Almas, in a way, reminds me. I'm not trying to make this a, a an ethnicity thing, but he reminds me a lot of Del Rio in the sense of you have a guy who's you know can get it done in the ring and has you know experience and lineage. But like, just never gave me in the promos in WWE like a, a real mm -hmm. reason to get angry or get or get excited. It just it, it it's just kind of generic, and I don't I don't want to make that a prejudice to you know uh, lucha libre or whatever. I, it's but it just maybe it's the way WWE or WWE and or NXT has presented this. I just with with almost coming out. You're right. You know, Zelina has been the the fuel to the fire. Then I just see this guy who's kind of like, all right, well, he's going to get in the ring and he's going to do his thing, but I don't really care about him one way or the other. But he's awesome in the ring. There is that. No, he is. <laughs> but, 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 but I get your but, point. But, yeah. What's he's my, he's lacking reason, that, what's that. my reason to care about him? You know? Yeah. Um, I think they need to do more with him booking wise to make him, you know, more dastardly. There's, there's not a real reason to hate him. Um, no, no, no. And, uh, you know, as a heel, you kind of want that. I, I mean, NXT. It's kind of hard to be a, a heel in NXT as it is, just because when you're good, people cheer for you anyway. I mean, you see that with Velveteen Dream, sure. you see that with Adam yeah. Cole. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, it's a tough job. Um, it is, yeah. But he he lacks that true heel, um, that true heel personality. Mm -hmm. I will say uh, this: yeah. I got to say with this match, someone uh, John Davis brought it up in the chat. When uh, Candice LeRae took out Zelina Vega, I thought for sure at that point that Gargano was winning. I thought that was such a cool spot. It, you know, p place went crazy. I thought I was like, all right, this is this is where they do it. 
was like, wow. I was waiting for that spot too. Like, I think, I think it, it was to me, it was kind of obvious that she was going to be involved because uh, they kept showing her like <laughs> during the match. And I was like, okay, this is quite obvious. But um, as obvious as it was, I think it was a, a fantastic layer to the match. I think it was a fantastic layer to the match. And like you said, I was, I was slicked as well. I was like, ooh, I think this, this may be the turn. To me, I think maybe it's just uh, watching wrestling so long. I, it, to me, it was also obvious that Ciampa was going to attack him at the end. Yeah. Especially when he did the dreaded baby face back to the uh, to the LED board type of uh, thing. I think that was quite obvious when uh, when they did that. But at the same time, just a lot of in some cases, just because just because it's obvious doesn't mean it's bad. And I think in both of those cases, I think it worked. No, so, I, yeah, the the Champa. It was very telegraphed with how long they were taking. Yeah. You know, following him to the back. <laughs> right. You know, you knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, so, my so, thing was like, oh, do they let Gargano win and then have Champa attack him after the match? He said, right. you know, the next title match. Yeah, but um, yeah, Champa, he still had the uh, the knee brace and was limping a bit. So mm. I, I wonder if he still got has a little ways to go, or if he was just selling. Um, he, well, you got two and a half months before Mania weekend, so I'm sure that true. if you started now and you have the tapings, he'll he'll heal up in time. Yeah, yeah, and it was, you know, I think it was done well. You know, it's kind of like as you said, you know, people thinking that Champa's coming, but it's sometimes sometimes when fans know things are coming, doesn't mean you need to swerve and divert. Right. Sometimes right. it means just give them what they want. So yeah. you can be creative with how they do it. And I thought I thought they were here. Um, it, it was, you know, considering the last beatdown Gargano got, it was kind of, you know, just the one crutch, but I thought it was well done. Gargano mm-hmm. clearly hasn't been missing his uh, upper body days at the gym. He, <laughs> looked, he was looking pretty jacked. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. Everybody came to play for this, uh, for the main event of that. So, so that, that ended NXT. I think they started the weekend, the four day weekend uh, for them on a high note. Uh, let's kind of revert back for a couple of days outside of the wrestling world into the gridiron while we are all together. Uh, Thursday uh, afternoon, Vince McMahon makes the announcement that we all kind of were hearing the rumblings would be, which is that the XFL Football League is coming back in the year 2020. He didn't specify a exact week, but said, you know, end of January, beginning of February, that they are going to come back. Uh, compete against the NFL, you know, was wavering how the distribution would be with social media, with this cable television, really put it in the hands of the fans in terms of, you know, what do you not like about the NFL? We'll do the opposite of, uh, what do you guys think? Was this, was this message received? Well, you know what I loved is Vince saying that three hours is too long for a game. You want to keep it at two hours. It's like, <laughs> right. You know, like really, you realize this for football, but no, I'm sure he knows it. He's, I'm sure he knows it. But um, man, um, really not much, really no details uh, other than eight teams like it was last time. Not the same cities. They don't know the cities. They pre- really don't have anything yet. No. Uh, no TV deals. I don't know how they can get a TV deal unless something changes in the next two years because all of those leagues are tied to the NFL. They shouldn't do a TV deal. This. This is yeah. dead on arrival if it doesn't do a TV deal. 
Not, what about Facebook? I, no, no, I disagree. Ross, I disagree. No, I, no, I disagree. I, you know, when 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 the rumors started at the end of December, uh, I said to many many coworkers in the Pittsburgh, in the Pittsburgh media here who cover the Steelers, and they agreed. Don't go after uh, Fox, CBS, NBC. Do everything else. Do the WB Network. Do Facebook. Do Snapchat, do Twitter, do I mean, uh, distribute everywhere else because I know for a firsthand. I mean, I've done here in the in the Pittsburgh media things with the Steelers, and I mean, you know, they have limits, which is you can only upload two minutes of content, and then that content has to be pulled after twenty four hours of being published. They are uh, they're Nazis when it comes to control, and. If the if the XFL wants to embrace using all the other mediums, letting people you know use Snapchat, use their social media experiences, you know the rap video those at the start about you know trade a player, all this stuff, letting the fans be in charge is or, or, or think they're in charge is not a bad way to go about this. Um, PR wise, I think Vince said everything he needed to say. He's not rushing into this like he did the last time. He's getting himself at least two years um, talking about no criminality. No social issues, uh, potentially no halftime, potentially no instant replay, all things that, that diehard NFL fans are aggravated about. So from a PR standpoint, they said all the right things. Execution will be something different. But from a PR standpoint and not having WWE involved, not having Vince involved as an on-air character, they said all the right things. Again, execution is sure. different. For sure. I mean, the, the last time they did an XFL launch vince was attacking the media right off the bat and and saying how much he hated him and it was very combative right. so yes I, I will agree that it was a very somber uh not somber but a sober vince you know like uh, very toned down uh realizing their mistakes but you know this, this is you know football and you're wanting to fill stadiums most people watch football on tv you know and also uh Football is one of those games where sports bars run it. They're packed on a Sunday. Uh, I don't see sports bars, you know, plugging into, and who knows in two years if it changes, but going to Facebook watch to, to put on the game. You know what I mean? Uh, and if you want to make this to where you're renting out these expensive stadiums and filling it enough, you have to have a TV deal. You have to have an easy way uh, for families to watch it because, um, that's ultimately what it comes down to. You're not, it's not wrestling. You're not reaching these, these niche fans. You're trying to reach a mainstream audience. And um, I mean, if you just reach these niche fans, you're going to have people in the stands, you know, chanting play forever. And, and this is football. And, you know, like you need Johnny to football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need to, you need to get the, the mainstream fans. And to do that, you need a national TV deal, easy to access that anyone, uh, Anyone can watch. Johnny Johnny Gargano will be the the quarterback of the Cleveland Underdogs. <laughs> yes, yeah. it did. would be Johnny Football. Yeah, yeah when the I game's boring. That. They're chanting CM Punk. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think both of you have valid um, approaches, you know, toward this, and I think that's the whole point <laughs> of where we are right now. You know, as far as just the diverse conversations, the diverse ways. Uh, that this could possibly go. Um, I'm open to it, honestly. Uh, when I when I interviewed, uh, he hate me a few weeks ago. Um, he kind of had me turn the corner as far as just the 
utmost criticism I had for it. I was a huge XFL fan. You know, the the, the one year that they had, I, I still have a Chicago Enforcers XFL shirt that I bought back in 2001. Uh, so I'm open to it. Um, but, you know, like I said, when Wait, I interviewed uh, Rod, you're the one. I sure did. <laughs> Uh, 2001 Chicago Enforcers is probably worth the bunch right now. I don't know actually. about that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you. I bet you if I put it on eBay, I can uh, pay my mortgage. Roz, Roz, I Roz, I Roz, I know you got more money than you're telling. Roz, buy a Denver team, please. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, Justin, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Um, yeah, just, just real quick, uh, and I'm open to it based on when I interviewed Rod Smart uh, a few weeks back, and he and he brought up a really good point. He was saying that uh, basically the alternate, the alternate to the NFL right now, of course you have arena, but the the the, the alternate alternate is the CFL, um, and you have families who really can't visit American, you know, uh, uh, football players who are in the CFL just because it's so far away. And he said that a lot of those, you know, people from the CFL would probably want to come back to play an alternate football in the States. So their families and they can have a better support base. So I agree with that. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. John there, Davis has a good name for a Colorado team with the, the Colorado tokers. I like it. So if I, if I do buy a team, there you go. There we go. <laughs> if you buy a team, I'm cut off the payroll. I well, it's an XFL team. It's not. <laughs> All right. No, th there's two points to this. For, uh, you know, like, look, um, you know, the, the, the talent that is applicable is different. You know, uh, 17 years ago, for the football aficionados, it was different. Now you have the RG3s, the Colin Kaepernick's, the Johnny Menzel's. You know, college football has evolved to where you have these uh, colorful talents who don't translate in the NFL game, right? They don't, they don't work in the you know their 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 spread offense, their option offense. They don't work in the NFL game, but they're so fun to watch. So now you have that option for WWE with the or well, well, the XFL to do that, in which you didn't have 17 years ago necessarily. So I, I think that I, I just I think again seventeen years ago there there wasn't there wasn't a, a want or a thirst for anything different, but yeah, now but, but now there kind of is like there's so many people that are yeah. just there yeah. there's so many people that are just kind of like oh the NFL and for whatever reasons whatever political reasons whatever personal reasons whatever. There is that difference. Um, yeah, but is there enough to watch second-rate football? Like, would you like if I'm sick of Game of Thrones, and I'm, I'm not. I think it's the best it's been. Am I going to watch a show similar to Game of Thrones that's bad with bad acting and bad special effects just because I don't like where they're going? You know, you know what I mean. Well, like, but, um, but 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 you're Raj. You're referring to something. You're referring to something that's saying, okay, we're going to be the spinoff of of Game of Thrones. If I just give you a football league that's not on the same days as the NFL, it's not on the same season as the NFL, it's free to watch if they go the Facebook routes or whatever, what do you have to lose? Well, so if the only way you could watch it is Facebook or uh, well, the internet, one, internet, internet, one internet, example, right? One example. Just, yeah. So internet, you know, like my point earlier about 
football is one of those games a lot of times you want to watch with your buddies. Are you going to get everyone around your laptop or your phone and 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 watch it? You know what I mean? Um, but perhaps. to your other point, um, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. How do we know? Man. We, don't, we don't know. <laughs> Millennials, I think you're only a few years older than I am. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, thank you. Maybe I look a lot younger I'm just, than I am. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thanks. Raj, um, Raj is the oldest definitely one. Definitely not the <laughs> No, but I think um, – I don't know. I just think it's so oversaturated with football. And, Justin, to your point, that is a good thing, that they are doing the season not against the NFL, so it's not going to be in the fall, when you already have college football and the NFL. So – they won't have anything else on, but they tried that before. And um, when you didn't have as much football on then, I don't think they had Sunday night games yet. But, 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 um, but, but again, Thursday nights, but again, 17 years ago, there was not the complaint. There was not the complaints there are now right now. There's complaints of, okay, nobody knows the rules with Insta replay and the interpretation. Yeah, of the those rules, are stupid. Nobody knows the rules. Okay. It takes you three hours real time to watch an NFL presentation. If WWE can cut, or yeah, WWE, if XFL can cut that to ninety minutes, you know, like if they can cut these things out, I mean, that might be a way to uh, at least give people a chance. If the quality of play, it, it comes down to quality of play. You can take all these factors of instant replay, etc. If the quality of play in a ninety-minute broadcast is better, if it's more exciting. But it, and if it's if it if it feels like it connects to American audience, where okay, oh this person's not uh, not sitting down for the national anthem, or this person's not uh, you know being investigated for domestic assault, if they hold true to these things about your the criminality and the social issues, if they hold true to it, I'm not saying it's going to be a, a slam dunk immediately, but he Vince will at least be trying to learn from his lessons and setting him up to last longer than one year. That's true. And they're not doing gimmicks will help a lot. And yeah. I, and so I agree with that. And, you know, I'm surprised I've talked to a couple uh, football fans who, when it was brought up, I was expecting them to, you know, shit all over the idea. And they were like, Hey, you know, it's possible it could work because there is, there is a lot of people that are disenfranchised, you know, NFL ratings are down 17%. Um, you know, again, 17%. Is that enough to fill a stadium? No. Um, so, you know, I'm surprised they go to the stadium route as opposed to starting off in arenas and then eventually moving to stadiums. Yeah, um, let me ask you this too, um, because I'm a foot, I watch football. I, I don't know all the inner workings of it. I don't study it. Um, but with the the ownership thing, because this, this thing won't be franchised. So basically Vince owns everything. Uh, Alpha Entertainment, they own the league. There's not individual owners for the teams. When you have separate owners, all the players and everything, that's their own money going to the players, right? Yes. In, in the NFL. So with Vince, wouldn't that cut out a lot of the financial risk by having individual owners? So they're the ones, they're taking a lot of the financial you know, risk and you know, invest yeah. into their own teams. But but you're you're right, Raj, but by Vince doing it the way that we think he's doing it, that allows him to control you right. stand for you stand for the anthem. Um you follow you know, 
when, when Vince is the one who's writing the paycheck for all eight teams, mm-hmm. which is not the case of the NFL, uh, Vince is the boss for everybody. So you can have yeah. control. You can have control. But you can still have control of that, right? I mean, you can still have it. No, in the, no, league, I, uh, the league, the no, league has their own rules. No, well, it, you know, it's not like uh, every team no. has their own rules for like one can wear a different kind of helmet than the next team. There's a there's a, a set set of rules across all teams. You you think so? But no. But if Vince, if they let each city's team have a independent ownership. Legally, Vince, not well, not not even legally. It makes it harder for them to control the message. If the message is we want this to be reimagined football, but also family football and and no politics and whatever, whatever. If each team is independently owned, you're dealing with a whole crapload of 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 of, of problems. The fact that the league, aka Vince, will own all these teams. He controls all of them. It's 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 no different, Raj. You know this. It's no different than WWE owning their talent, who are independent contractors, but are 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 obligated like employees. It's it's no different than that. Right, but you're also you're talking eight teams with forty players. You know that's you're 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 paying yourself now three hundred and twenty salaries. You know on top of winning yeah. out the stadiums all yourself. And you know I, again, I don't the owners. Do the stadiums, do they, the NFL doesn't pay for the stadiums or anything, right? That's all left to the owners and the cities. Is that correct? Correct. correct. As Yes, as far as that. Well, and again, we don't know a lot. So, I mean, maybe Vince is, uh, maybe this time around, the plan is Vince owns the teams, but lets the uh, individual city teams work out sponsorships. So, like, they're, they, I, I wouldn't think they would do a team here in Pittsburgh with the Steelers where I'm at. But um, you know, UPMC is a huge medical sponsor here in Pittsburgh. Maybe Vince, if Vince was to allow a Pittsburgh team, he allows UPMC to invest and have a huge financial stake. Vince still controls, but now UPMC can uh, help dictate, you know, ticket prices, promotional, whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. It's there's a lot of ambiguity to this, but I, I mean, Vince, they're gonna, the league's gonna control all of this. It's different than the NFL. You, the NFL model is not going to work in terms of each team trying to make their own policy. There's a lot of black and white, or, or a lot of gray area, but I don't know. It, it's I don't much know. to be desired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to get to my point here. It's just. I think Vince is, but be- I think Vince is better off doing it the way he is doing it now. But I think it can work. Hey, oh, you like- know what? I'm not. I'm not. Compl- I, I think if if I was a betting man, I had to put money on it. I'd probably bet that it's not going to work, um, just because we've seen it every time, right? Um, and and you know when you had the uh, was the USFL. Um, yep. Donald Trump kind of killed that one when he he moved that to have the same season as the NFL and it just uh, drove it to the ground. But, um, and I don't know, there's not, nothing against trauma. That's just a fact that's, that's what happened with that league. Um, I just think it's just when push comes to shove, um, it's a tough business. It's expensive. And you know, how much money can you burn through to keep it going until it catches on? Um, 
So, I mean, we'll see. I, the, the things I'd recommend to Vince, you know, I was on that conference call. They didn't take my questions. Bastards. Triple H always does. <laughs> but um, I, I would say have a long preseason so you can work out the kinks this time and not just go live with your first game without any anyone ever, you know, have played. Uh, and uh, I think that's a, that's a big thing. And make it an NFL alternative, like a genuine NFL alternative. And if we remember with the uh, 30 for 30 documentary, like the reason, one of the biggest reason why, one of the biggest reasons why the ratings tanked is because people actually was going into the XFL thinking that it would be an NFL alternative and they got a bunch of gimmicks. They got Jr. and Jesse Ventura. Yeah, the they, Rock you know, coming out the very yeah, the first Rock game. Coming out, yeah, and cutting a promo. <laughs> so they were like, "This is trash." You know, what I mean, like for a diehard NFL fan looking at stuff like this, I'm like, "There's no way I want it." Like, this is a disgrace to me as an NFL fan. Well, so if you actually produce an alternate, you know, an alternative, uh, you know, NFL, and and have those type of rules without a bunch of gimmicks, I think it has a better chance of working than before. You know what, too? Should they get rid of the instant replay? Yes. Get rid of halftime. Like, Lily, get rid of halftime. He was talking about that already. Yeah. Get rid of halftime. Get rid of uh, no instant replay. If, to Chris, to your point, if they, uh, let's say, nine months prior to the uh, launch of the season, if they actually have college football players being drafted so to speak that'll add a, that'll give a legitimacy to this yep. you know yep. that that wasn't the case the first time around the first time around everybody that played in the act and the xfl were nfl rejects mm -hmm. but right now if freshmen and sophomores and major colleges are going okay Maybe I don't want to play for the NFL for X, Y, and Z, whether it's money, whether it's safety, whether it's whatever. And they go, I can make a decent living in the X in the XFL and get drafted in three years. You know, we'll have to see how that takes place. That that I mean, being able to draft fresh talent never at the NFL, that's a huge advantage that wasn't the case 17 years ago. 17 years ago, we got the rejects. Well, what do y'all think of speaking of in, in that kind of in that vein? What do you think of names such as uh, I've heard there's been some discussions as far as like people like Tim Tebow and, and Callan Kaepernick, uh, you know, being not not them being interested, but if their names were uh, a part of just the fold to be a part of it, what, do you think that that would hurt it or help it? it Real quick, um, I, I do want to say this, Justin, to your point earlier about. Uh, people coming out of college, possibly uh, choosing the XFL over the NFL. The NFL, the starting salary is what for a rookie, like six hundred grand, right? Six hundred fifty thousand. So the XFL, the first time around, uh, there's everyone made a fifty thousand dollars salary, and then you got bonuses if you won, and then if you won the final game. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously, no one's going to choose. 50 grand over, you know, 650,000. I'm now I'm that's assuming they kept that kind of salary structure. Now, hundred million dollars that he's putting into this. You got to think that everything that's involved. So unless there's more money, a lot more money going into it, they're not, they don't have the money for the salaries to yeah. compete with the NFL to compete with a $650,000 starting salary. And so like a Colin Kaepernick, no one's hiring him. So 
it's a huge media story if he signs. So I think mm -hmm. it's it's very smart to do it. Uh, this national anthem thing. Gosh, it's, it's uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's <laughs> it's uh, it, it's it's a weird deal, and um, I, I just I don't know that that Colin Kaepernick. He, I don't know. Well, you talk about your media. You talk about your media story, though. Colin Kaepernick signs with the with the uh, the league who uh, enforces that you can't kneel. <laughs> Wouldn't that be very very interesting? Yeah, it'd be ironic. I think. Yeah. But it also, he's he's become such a um, such a figure, um, polarizing figure. Yeah. Yeah, but also an inspirational figure to a lot of people. Yeah. That yeah. I think it would look, you know, it would. Again, two years but, out, but who knows? But, maybe people won't even remember this. But 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 right now, Colin Kaepernick's not getting paid anywhere in the NFL. So at this point, if he wants to get paid. Him going to a league that not only will he be the star because of the signing. Yes, he had to stand for the national anthem. But he'll he'd be able to play and be the you know the 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 captain of a of one of the eight teams. Mm -hmm. If this guy wants, I mean, you know, life of a football player, the life of a football player is only so short. It's only so long. Like he doesn't have forever. So if if him or RG three or Johnny Manziel or any of these names, they don't have forever to do this. So that might be the that might be the XFL's play is like you know you got you guys don't have forever to make money off of your athletic abilities. Do you yeah. think you're that? You, do you think you're that good of talkers, or you can be on the uh, pre-show panel forever, or be commentators? <laughs> so you know that might that might really where this comes down to. And is. I think it's real real quick so before we close up here. I think it's an uh, a different approach than. I mean, sorry to say his name, but like a Tommy Maddox, you know what I mean? Like he he wasn't necessarily an NFL star, you know, but people like uh, Manziel, um, especially Kaepernick, you know, he went to the Super Bowl. Tim Tebow. Uh, I mean, those, those are big names, you know. Tim, Tim Tebow as well, you know what I mean? And so those are star names that would, you know, be a part of an XFL, and they, they're not rejects as opposed to yeah. – how the XFL was before. So I think it'll be a good, very good for, for marketing at least. I will say this. I, I hope they rethink that arena idea because they're not going to be filling the stadiums at the beginning uh, with this thing. And I think when the news stories are out right at the beginning, like, oh, half full stadium. And it just gives a bad impression right. when you have a lot of empty seats right off the bat. And if people are looking to shit on this thing from the beginning, they could easily turn to that. Uh, by doing it in a stadium, the field takes a lot of space, so there's not going to be as many seats. So you could sell out a lot quicker. You could brag that you're selling out these stadiums, I mean these uh, arenas, yeah, arenas, and and then move to stadiums down the road. I think that's the way to do it. So, you know, if the first, I, it'll, I'm going to be watching. I was a fan of the first XFL before I until I saw a game, <laughs> and it kind of, you know, I was really yeah. excited for it. And then when it, if uh, the first stadium's not full, it's going to be a media disaster. That's for sure. Yeah, or, or mostly empty. Yeah, the qual the quality of play. That's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. That's why they need a long preseason this time. Not just yeah. uh, think uh, just going out, you know, 
uh, guns blazing will work. So we'll, we'll see. Two years to figure it out. All right. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, this has been a fun conversation as we start our uh, big four-day week of WWE content. Uh, Chris, what do you want to promote? Oh, real know? quick, R- Rumble Picks. Rumble Picks. Oh, God. Just, just the big three matches, the women's, the men's, and the uh, the two world title matches. And uh, Bobby Roode's mystery opponent. Jesus, Jesus. Good <laughs> luck, Chris. I don't know. All right, Chris, we'll go to you first. Um, which one first? <laughs> All right, everyone. Bobby Roode's Bobby Bobby, Bobby mystery, uh, mystery opponent. The oh, that's a tough one. Is Dolph Ziggler way too <laughs> obvious? Uh, I think it's way too obvious, but I think it's going to happen. So they they do this big angle with Dolph Ziggler for a kickoff show match. Yeah, it's Dolph Ziggler, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Justin. I'll go Ziggler because they're not going to waste EC three or any of the new signees on this, and so this this would be the epitome of Ziggler's career. Disappears, yes. and then we have a big a build up to his return on a. Effin pre-show, man. <laughs> uh, people asking about Glenn uh, if he's in the Royal Rumble since he's not here tonight. I can't say. <laughs> um, I, wait, wait, Rubenstein? Yeah, never <laughs> <Yeah>, know. <laughs> look, look. I mean, the Rumble's punch, kick, struggle in the corner. Rubenstein wouldn't last a minute. He hey, he can do a Drew Carey. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. <laughs> I'll yeah. tell him that. What's yeah. the next? No, Glenn will be back uh, tomorrow night. And Monday, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say it's probably someone like Gender or something, and because uh, Dolph is too too obvious, and I think Dolph wins the Rumble. If Dolph is the mystery opponent, wait, I think, Dolph uh, wins the Rumble. Yeah. Oh my god. I I think it would be terrible. I think it would suck, but I think that's what would happen. Weed is legal mm. in Colorado, isn't it? It is. hey man Sheamus won the rumble and uh randy orton last year you know when it when it was cold as hell so Mm. it's gonna be a smackdown guy uh unless they go with reigns so if it's not ziggler i'm gonna say reigns and then nakamura in that order so we're doing man's royal rumble picks now yeah might, might as well go to it um, like I said before, I, 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 I still say Nakamura, but my bow prediction still, uh, Finn Balor wins and him and the club attacks, uh, AJ Styles on SmackDown. That'd be, and like I said, I think that's too cool for WWE to do. <laughs> they don't care that much about SmackDown. For the, for the women's, I'm going obvious. I don't think they're going to deviate Oscar. I don't think they're going to deviate from it. Oscar for the men's. I know Raw has the chamber. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna think Raw is gonna end in controversy. We've seen two. We've never seen three. What if we have a Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Jason Jordan, three out at the same time? You got Reigns, who's the obvious. Strowman, who's the big dog. You know the big push. Jason Jordan, who's who's a guy who they're obviously building something. Three guys all together somehow out together, eliminated together, which makes you go to a, a chamber match. I don't know. I you know I can. I, they've never done that before. And weed I had, is not legal in Pennsylvania, is it, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, alcohol is. So alcohol is. No, I, I'm serious. Like we've we've seen the two, you know, ninety four Lex and Brett. We've seen. I don't know. I just think that there's so much uh, anticipation to Reigns, but then again, Raw has the Chamber. Raw has more viable options. SmackDown does not have a lot of like credible guys. Um, they really don't. So I don't know. I just feel like Raw. I feel like they get in this Rumble with a a huge bit of controversy. Uh, yeah, I, I will give them credit this year. Like it's uh, pretty unpredictable. But I think uh, Braun, you mentioned uh, Braun is in the world title match. But they have had years where the people in the world title match uh, appear in the Rumble too. And, and it would be very, it will be very. And I'm I'm an old school guy. I don't like when a guy who's in the championship match on the undercard comes back in the Rumble. But uh, as I say on Chair Shot Reality, which you can find on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube, I think. Braun is a guy who could attack a Kurt Hawkins backstage, steal, <laughs> steal his little little lottery ball that has his number, and come out, and that would be very fitting. <laughs> That's in Philly. They stopped doing the the lottery ball, but I'd like I'd love to see that return. Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, there we got it. I, I think Oscar as well. It's, I think it's pretty clear Ronda Rousey. And we reported a month ago that she was filming this movie and was going to be in Columbia. Um, you just didn't know the timing of it, but she's there. It's a five-hour flight, but usually they don't disrupt filming, especially someone who, in Rousey's position, where you know she's not uh, she's not a big movie star. So um, I don't think you know stopping production so she can do the Royal Rumble would be something that they'd be keen on doing. So yeah, I'll say Oscar too. I'll say Oscar too. What's the uh, time difference from Columbia to the states? You know, is it like for East Coast? You mean? So it's a five-hour yeah. flight, so it must be like one or two hours. Okay, all right. Yeah. So filming may be done for that day, perhaps, and she may fly back over to Columbia. Yeah, but it's more than that. They don't want these guys getting hurt. You know, wrestling True. like Rock's not allowed to wrestle at all. He was able to do the rock bottom to Eric Rowan, and that was it. Yeah, that so, was all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So anyway. So it's uh, seems pretty unpredictable. Well, it seems unpredictable. The predictable thing would be Reigns winning and Oscar winning, yeah. and that's not unpredictable. And then yeah. Brock winning. I think we all pick Brock. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and then AJ defending. We all are in agreement there. This is yes. also this is also one of the situations where I was in San Antonio last year where I, I walked out of the, the dome and people were so upset that Samoa Joe didn't show up and then he showed up the next night on Raw. So it's very possible we could be 24 hours from now people are so enraged that Ron doesn't sh- that that you know she doesn't show up but maybe she showed up on Raw and SmackDown. Like I, we all we we get the bad habit of building up our own hype. Sure, and then, and then we get disappointed when our hype doesn't deliver. So filming goes through mid February for this yep. movie. I mean, and uh, also real quick, looks like they're going to have a women's elimination chamber match too. And you guys mm-hmm. saw that on Wrestling Inc. I called, I called that so, on Wednesday. So I think uh, Stephanie McMahon comes in after the women's Royal Rumble match, gets the winner out of there, and it's like I got a big announcement. We're doing That's a right. women's elimination chamber. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I think Oscar may win, though. Like I think Oscar may win the the women's elimination chamber if it's a number one contender deal, as you know, or if a SmackDown person wins, that they may do the elimination chamber for Bliss's title, and that's where 
you've been calling as far as Oscar having the title before Mania. Maybe that's where she wins it. Yeah. I had the secret as we close out. I have the secret to win a Royal Rumble. Ready? Mm. Punch, kick, struggle in the corner. Punch, kick, struggle in the corner. That's it. There you go. Yeah. Or you can just leave for a half hour like Vince McMahon. Road, 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 road just attach himself to a rope. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. We'll anyway, it'll be a lot of fun. Stay tuned to wrestling it because Royal Rumble Day is crazy. You know, we'll we'll make sure to put spoiler on anything if there's uh you know names backstage like we always do. If the smart money comes in, those are usually always right. So we'll make sure to put spoiler on any titles that have that and not reveal anything. But yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to it. This weekend already. I mean, it kicked off in a big way. Uh, two Royal Rumbles. We'll see. Hopefully, it's not overkill. Um, Two 30, 30 person Royal Rumbles. It, hopefully, they keep enough surprises that uh, it, it doesn't drag and it doesn't make the show feel long. Yeah, looking forward to it. Very good. Uh, any final comments, plugs? Uh, Pancakes and Power Slam show, uh, 304 episodes in, uh, wrestler interview every week. Uh, so stay tuned. Yeah, and more from my interview with Molly Holly. Molly Holly, who it had been reported um, that she was going to be in the Royal Rumble and that she had agreed to it, but she hasn't. She didn't even know about it. She actually called WWE uh, <laughs> when she found out about it, when she heard these rumors, and it's not the case. So um, that's up on the site if you haven't seen it. And then more from my interview with Molly Holly this week. Uh, some stuff from Bruce Pritchard about why he left Impact Wrestling. There were some rumors about what happened and he clears that up that'll be going up this week too and i uh, got an interview with billy gunn coming up uh some stuff with uh, uh sanjay dutt so tons and tons of cool stuff so check it out very check good. out csr on yeah, the wrestling good. inc youtube channel very good uh chair shot reality uh I, I personally will say obviously it's mine but i'll say this i think it's the best video podcast you'll find in terms of quality uh, in a and a great tv studio in pittsburgh uh, for Wrestling Inc. exclusively. We have our predictions. Uh, of course, we plug WrestleRumble.com as I already did here. So uh, go to the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel, hit subscribe, like, comment, share, do all the things you want to do. Uh, we have a great product there in addition to all the podcast stuff. Uh, for Raj, for Chris, uh, we'll be back for Monday post-Raw. We'll have Tuesday post-Smackdown. All kinds of great stuff. Follow Wrestling Inc. Follow Raj. Follow Chris. Follow myself. I Justin Lamar. Uh, tomorrow, Royal Rumble. It'll kick off the road to WrestleMania. It's going to be interesting. We have a lot of things to debate of what we think is going to happen. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight on this uh, overrun of NXT TakeOver post-show. And uh, we will see you tomorrow.